This is K-12 Tech Talk. K-12 Tech Talk. The podcast by K-12 Techs for K-12 Techs. Real conversations, real arguments, and real banter on trending K-12 technology topics and issues. Live from the somethingcool.com studios, this is the K-12 Tech Talk Podcast. I am Josh. With me, as always, is Chris. Hello. And back from Nolans with FETC, it is Mark. It's Nolans. Is Nolans. Nolans. Well, de- depending on how much inebriation is involved in the environment, it, it can be pronounced different ways. Hey, we just of- lost all listeners from Louisiana. That's so. a lot of beads. That's a lot of beads, Mark. <laughs> yeah. What'd you do to get those beads, Mark? I. There might be listeners listening. I can't say. <laughs> there might be listeners listening. I would hope so, Mark. <laughs> uh, how, Mark. How how was FETC? It was very good. It was uh um uh one of the large conferences, right, where there's a lot of people there. So you kind of start to see the trends. And so there were for me, there was two very, very big trends that popped out. I don't know if you can guess which one of them was, but Cybersecurity. Well, no, no, I didn't see Shimmer, but cybersecurity was a big topic. Okay. And uh, ChatGPT. What's what's this? Tell me more. (laughs) It's it's an app. It's a Ah. site. Um, No, in fact, there was a session on ChatGPT, and then like after it was over, they announced they're going to run it again because it was so popular. So, Did you stand up and say, their privacy policy said only people over 18, so your kids can't use it? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I did. I did, tanked. Did they the throw you out of the room? No, no, I didn't even get in. So. Oh, what? Yeah. Mark did not get. Like, did you pull the? Do you do you know who I am? Yeah. Did they know? No, I did not. But um, speaking of which, thank you uh, for <laughs> for making me paranoid the entire week that people were taking my picture without me we got, knowing. We got a couple. Yeah, we got, yeah, we got two. I think. Yeah, pe- people did it. It's kind of weird. <laughs> Mark, that's what it's like to be famous, man. Well, <laughs> welcome to the world. It was good. Well, actually, I had just done a session with a lot of people that had been on this podcast. So Sharyar <laughs> and Don uh, and cool. Tom Ryan and and somebody from the one of our listeners came and talked to us. So that was oh, fun. cool. That's fun. Yeah. So speaking of listeners coming and talking to us, Friday, I'm on the way to dinner. And my phone has an alert and it's the podcast email. Chris and I have access to it. We don't, Mark's still not completely vetted, so he doesn't have access. No, can't be trusted. Um, So uh, I, I quickly read it. I'm trying to drive, right? I quickly read it and it was, you know, something about Shimmer because we had talked about Shimmer. Was it last week or the week before about yep. this new um, exploit slash hack slash whatever you want to development? Um and I, I quickly saw the words misrepresentation and we'd like to talk. I'm thinking, wait, is this really what I think this is? So I think I started texting you, Chris. Well, I, I guess it was the group. Mark might have been in New Orleans mode still. I don't know. Um, and I'm like, I think we have an email from the developers of, of Shimmer. And Chris kind of took off with this because I was distracted a little bit. You want to tell us the story of what, what happened? Yeah, so for those that don't know, uh, I do most of the business end of the podcast. All, all of the business end. 
if you actually email um, us, um, I'm usually the one that actually gives you a reply back. Um, I try to speak as if I'm Josh and Mark, um, but I promise if it says dash Chris at the end of the email, it is actually me. Uh, so Josh is doing that. So I checked the email again. I don't know that we're ever going to give Mark the keys uh, yeah, to check the email. Because uh, then, then he would realize that none of this is actually real. <laughs> <laughs> These are all made up stories. <laughs> this one is legitimate. That That's a joke. This is very legit. I was, I was beside myself of what was actually going on Friday night with this whole story. Yeah. So I get into uh, the K-12 Tech Talk uh, email. Uh, there's an email from... Um, the email address contains P3T3R, uh, but we like to refer to that as Peter because that makes sense, right? So for the rest of the story, we're going to refer to this person as Peter. Uh, Peter says that he's with – I I think for the sake of storytelling, uh, I'm just going to chug through some of these emails because yeah. basically yeah. we had an email exchange uh, for several hours uh, that day. So Peter emails. He says he's with the uh, Mercury uh, Workshop. Uh, they are the people that made Shimmer, um, and that's what he uh, – when Josh was talking about the misinformation thing, that there's some misinformation about Shimmer that we shared, um, and so that, that made us question what we even talked about on here because we don't always even know – remember what we said on here. No. So I replied back to Peter um, and just said, like, yeah, sure, we can discuss this, um, and then we kind of had some back and forth <laughs> – questions because then i'm texting the guys right because we're trying to figure out um what mis misinformation uh, we, well, we we threw down okay keep keep going i i've, I've got to interject something at the right moment though so keep going with the story i'm going to interject get ready <laughs> so man i don't know what you're going to say now oh you'll so know i asked peter um if he could Point to me how we can verify that he's actually with the group. Okay, so stop right there. Who who did you Twitter message to ask for advice on how to verify these? Oh, sure. <laughs> well, our good friend Jack with Darknet Diaries, um, because Josh Josh was in freakout mode, and we don't really have a whole lot of people to talk to uh, when you when you're talking to an exploit group. You're right. So who are you going to call, Jack Reesider? Yeah. So I sent him a message. Because I guess that's who we, I don't, we're, what BF, is, we're BFFs. A, is he a friend now? Did I, I, we friend zone with him? I think we're BFFs. Jack, I, we know you're listening. You can, you can email us anytime, man. And Jack's on vacation still from Darknet Diaries. Anyways, I, I messaged Jack and he got right back because um, we asked questions on what do we, yeah, because actually these questions basically came from Jack. Yeah. Uh, Jack told us you need to verify identity uh, so that you know that you're talking to this group and they are who they actually say uh, they are. So some of these questions, uh, Jack, <laughs> Jack, Jack helped us come up with. So I asked some questions uh, like that. Um, so Peter told me if, if, if you go to the website, uh, shimmer.me and that's S H one M M E R.me. Uh, that's where this, the download stuff you can you can get into this you can read all about it that's where this group has the different uh usernames posted on who gets the credits for uh calling out this exploit um that's where peter uh pointed us to but he said that he's not actually listed um on the credits um and a lot of where this group hangs out from what we understand 
uh, is on a Discord server. Um, I believe they're called Channel, old man. Discord Channel. Um, so that, that's where that group is at. So, so although he's although Peter's not listed on the website, um, he said he could send us some screenshot stuff of Discord to prove his identity. So we got through that, and then we were unpacking then what the misinformation is, right? So what did and it's going to be Josh. So by yeah, the way, it's all my so, fault. It's all my fault. Yeah. So a little side note to this too. That's a good time. Um, I've been doing some stuff with this website that pulls the audio off of a podcast and it puts it into like text form. Um, you guys would be surprised to know that Josh usually takes up more than 50% of the word count. Uh, Mark <laughs> I, and I, I have I, pretty even split, but Josh hogs it. I feel like this is an attack. Mark, do you agree with that? I'm I'm wondering how long the story is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, come on, Chris. Speed okay, it up. I, listen, I'm telling a story here. <laughs> I got words so, to get in. So we think the misinformation, um, I think this is where our heads were at, was with um, talking about it being a hack and talk, talking about it being something with, you know, th this thing lets you steal a Chromebook, basically, and student right, privacy right. and all this kind of stuff. Right. Um, but Peter lets us know that it's more about um, that we got the compatibility wrong, that it's not company manufacturer based uh, and that shimmer is not going to work on every board, um, which was kind of, we kind of took a step back at that point in the evening because that's not really what we thought the conversation was going to be framed around. Right. You guys agree with that? Yeah. So then we posed the question. Um, we more wondered if the shimmer creators were aware of the implement implement, Implica implication thank you uh, that this was going to have on k-12 i.e the security risk the student safety concerns was that the known was that known when they released it was that the goal um was that our miscommunication and no it wasn't they were more wanting to clear the air on the compatibility on the boards so yeah. they were well aware of what they were doing um it's just more about what the exploit actually actually does. So at this point in it, though, when I asked that question, there was a pause uh, in the email exchange. Um, and this is when it got really, um, I'd say it went kind of a little next level. So I'm going to refer to um, Raffle Sia. If you go to the Shimmer website, uh, Raffle Sia, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. So that's one of the people that are credited on there for hosting and building shims. Um, I believe Rafflesia uh, is a female, so I'm going to refer to her on she from here forward. Uh, I, I apologize if that's incorrect. But uh, Rafflesia gets involved in this email exchange. Um, and to read some quotes basically from this, she said uh, in response, she said, it's a little bit complicated on that front. The purpose was not for theft, uh, but it was for student privacy. Uh, talking about, and I, I guess I, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit of this, uh, but she talked about being a paranoid person uh, and about someone watching her 24-7. Um, and then here, here's a little line here about having a device uh, in a place that you're forced to go, right? So a, a, a student device because you're forced to go to school. Uh, and she said, as far as student safety, uh, she believes that there should be other methods, uh, 
such as students reporting other students, uh, or even still uh, her experience is that not all schools take student safety issues as serious as they should to begin with, uh, with mental illness or crisis, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so, so shimmer to her, shimmer to the group, uh, not so much of a security issue as well as the student data, you know, more like kids should get to do what they want to do on the device kind of thing. Or a so, little expected privacy. Sorry, Mark. Yep. No, I was going to say, so at, at this point, that's when our conversation kind of changed. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. Well, and who, who are we talking to? Yeah. <laughs> we'll figure that out in a minute. Uh, and it was, yeah. So what, what really surprised me the most was their um, complete understanding of how Chromebooks operate, the boot process, um, the knowledge of the different chipsets. And they made a comment, Chris, what was the comment about, you know, Google says they're aware of this, they're trying to fix it, but they're really not going to be able to fix it because that has to be addressed in the chipset or in the manufacturing process, right? It Wasn't that somewhere along the quote that they gave? Yeah, so she said, and again, I mean, I, I'm not... Um... I'm not at this expertise level of a Chromebook and the whole bit. So I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm repeating what she said, right? Um, Google, Google's working on a fix. Uh, she thinks it's likely to take a while and it's going to affect the models released from today onwards. Existing models should continue to be affected uh, as this is a boot ROM exploit, basically. That's a, that's a throwdown. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, uh, you either know exactly what you're talking about there and you're very, um, not proud is the wrong word, but you're very sure in that statement. Um, I, I found that very impressive to be honest, like, okay, they, they've got some chops. They know what they're talking about. Um, and if you go to the shimmer.me website, S H one M M E R.me website, they've got screenshots of everything. They kind of get into the explanation. They've got an FAQ on there. They list their developers. Um, very impressive. Very, very impressive. So how did this conversation continue? Yeah, so so and even, even go back to, to the monitoring stuff. Um, she even uh, threw down that she believes most schools should be implementing network level filtering for content material sure. anyway. Oh, so okay. she, so she, she, she gave us that too. Uh, but to talk about what this thing actually does too, she said, talking about shims, right? Uh, shims aren't manufacturer specific. They are board specific, meaning a Lenovo shim uh, for Octopus will work on a Dell Octopus Chromebook. Interesting. Uh, This is how we were able to get the exploit to actually work. Uh, And then she dropped this bomb. Uh, Lenovo shims were public. We found them indexed on Google. (laughs) Good old Lenovo. Yeah, we like Lenovo. I like Lenovo. I, I hate Lenovo. Um, the actual, this is another quote, the actual exploit itself takes advantage of a flaw in the, I'm not even going to say it right. I N I T R A M F S. Yeah. Pronounce that. And then something about, um, Oh, what was it? Bit or crypto, uh, crypto. Yeah. yeah. Shims aren't actually supposed to boot for enrolled Chromebooks and it checks for that, but this check passes since the check and the shims doesn't mount crypto home which stores the enrollment information crypto home yep we've had a couple chromebooks with crypto home corrupt recently 
And I'm scrolling down to the bottom here. So do you want to get to the end? The twist yeah, let, the let's story? Just get to the twist in the story and we can move on. So um, while this is going on, right, and this interesting stuff, too, I think on the website, uh, you can when you click on the credits, um, it literally says inspired by uh, K-12 sys admin, like the subreddit. And there's a screenshot on there. Uh, so they are paying attention on Reddit um, of K-12 techs talking about this stuff, right? Which is this interesting thing as well. So in the middle of texting and talking to Jack, we, we messaged Jack back and forth a couple of times and, and unpacking this email exchange. Um, the, just interesting conversation taking place. It's taking place quickly. Uh, but we definitely got the feel from the one email talking about well, and I missed that part too. If I if I went back, there was a clue at the very beginning. Um, we talked to them about potentially uh, jumping on a Zoom call or a phone call uh, to discuss it more. Uh, and and that conversation went away because we started to unpack it just really quickly on an email. Uh, but they mentioned a time of day, uh, basically uh, towards the end of a school day, uh, right? Like a like a two thirty five or a three thirty five p.m. Uh, of a time of day that they could jump on a call. That was this interesting thing to us. Just that the, didn't didn't really click until the very end. Right. Um, and then there was that bit about we're forced to go to school. We don't want to go to school. We're forced to use a device that we don't want to use while we're at the place that we don't want to be at. That sounds like a student, potentially, sure. when you sit back. That's either a, a graduate student or a current student. So at the very end, uh, when we're kind of wrapping up, because we get to a place where we, we say we're just going to we're this email exchange is good enough to talk about on, on, on this podcast. Right. Um, so I asked the question. Um, it's I, I said, it sounds like from the email exchange that your group uh, might be comprised of high school students, question mark. Um, and then the email response was uh, all but one of us is in high school and that one is in middle school. Mind and blown. That's yeah. that's a that's a twist. This thing that's flipped Google. I mean, Google's said some statements about this thing and how crazy it is and blocked these websites and the whole bit. There was an article on Bleeping Computer today about it. I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, how old am I? And I haven't I haven't found an exploit that Bleeping Computer wrote about. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, awesome. It's it's, it's awesome. It, it It's amazing. Uh, imp cool. impressive that like you said, Chris, they've got Google's attention. They've got bleeping computers attention. Uh, I was flabbergasted when you told us that last weekend. Couldn't believe it. Well, it, it, if, if those folks are listening to this podcast right now, and Which I wouldn't we... be surprised if I wouldn't be surprised if they are, um, as impressive as this is, please use your skills for good. Yeah. Please use your your skills for bettering yourself and bettering your community. Be very careful going down this pathway because your skills have clearly opened up a lot of doors. They will open up a lot of doors. You can quickly close those doors. Or worse. Paths. Or, or worse. worse. Yeah. Yes. So uh, you've, you've got our attention. You're, <laughs> it's very, very impressive what you've done, uh, especially at your age. Um, don't ruin it for yourself i mean you've got google's attention but come on you've got you've got our attention right like that's that's a big deal that's a big deal <laughs> <laughs> it's 
So let's let's take a quick break from this and listen to some words from one of our about one of our sponsors. Provision Data Solutions is a proud sponsor of the K12 Tech Talk podcast. They can help you with all of your networking and firewall needs, including Fortinet. They're big sponsors of the Midwest Tech Talk conferences as well. They'll be at the Security Symposium in March and the Tech Conference in July. Visit MidwestTechTalk.com for information about the conferences. Okay, and we're back. So as as enthralling as that Shimmer story was and Chris's wonderful um, storytelling abilities and skills. How was I? You you were great, Chris. <laughs> it, it was awesome. It was a long story. It was a long story. Um, <laughs> when I when I get home late from school, my wife always goes, "You were talking, weren't you?" <laughs> she sound like that too. Yeah. Uh, um, so we did get a number of emails in the last week. We're not going to be able to get to them all tonight because we do have a, another interview in this episode at the end or in, here coming up in a minute. Um, we do want to get to an email that we received about some of the mandate, the mandated reporter comments that we made. We received one email in particular from a gentleman in California. Um, Chris, do you want to bring that up real quick and talk about that? Yes. So Mike from California, and I really felt like we got a little bit scolded by Mike. Yeah. I mean, he was giving us, I don't, Mike, you're going to listen to this and I I didn't really take it as a scolding, but you did give us some correction, some enlightenment that we're going to share. So he talked about being from California uh, and basically said, and here's a quote, Um, Everything that you talked about on that mandated reporter stuff was wrong. And if I did that in California, I'd probably go to jail. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's scolding. (laughs) That's that's wrong. Uh, Just to recap the conversation, we had a listener email about uh, discovering some uh, inappropriate material on a computer and whether or not that needs to be reported. And there was some discussion within the the listeners district uh, and a higher up. Uh, decided or recommended, I think it was more of a decision based on the person's role, but they're not to report this. And so the, the question was brought to us and we had a long conversation about it. And so Mike's, Mike's, yeah, Mike's, Mike's quick encouragement, which I mean, this is obvious encouragement, whatever state you're in, uh, figure out your mandated reporter requirements. Right. Uh, Cause he more said, let me find it. Um, and this is from Mike. California, he said, I'm sure Mike's um, not a lawyer either. So, right, you know. right, right. Uh, if an employee sees something, um, they're to fire, file this form. It goes to CPS. Uh, the employee, he says, is not to tell management or anything else that it was reported. Uh, they can inform management as to what they saw, but they're just supposed to report it, not tell anybody. Uh, and it's that CPS's job to determine if it's appropriate. Uh, or not, and that California has a lot of protections uh, for the employee if there's going to be retaliation in that reporting. Which I and and you know that does drive home to the point that every state is probably a little bit different. But um, good on Mike for for knowing their mandated reported laws forward and backward. It seems like um, because yeah, that it is serious stuff, and and you should know what your responsibilities are as a. Well, and- and and on on an ironic note, I I had a very similar experience this week. Uh, personally, went through, uh, and I did escalate a situation to our legal advisor and said, "I need you know I need some advice on this one." Um, and that's still an ongoing situation, but 
in the process, I reviewed my state's mandated report of laws. And my state was very clear that, you know, evidence of abuse, evidence of harm to a child. And in this case, finding material, uh, it's debatable as to whether or not harm, uh, that's evidence that harm is being done. So I think, you know, really the mandated report of laws, the the lesson that that Mike has really kind of shed on, on us and, and, and that I've discovered as well this week is that you have to know your state's laws. And we're not lawyers either. So no, uh, we are not lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't, I didn't stay at a holiday Inn last night. I don't know about you guys. Um, no. Holiday Inn's not a sponsor of the show. I uh, did. It, 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 I had this conversation this week too about, I, and I'm not saying that my district is, 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 is a scenario, but we can't, you shouldn't assume because your boss hasn't told you that you're a mandated reporter that you're not supposed to be a mandated reporter. You need to figure that out for yourself. Uh, don't live in the ignorance part of like, well, no one ever told me. Um, I think if you're listening to this and I can, and I can, I'm, I'm preaching to myself. Uh, I need to figure out for myself, not just what my boss told me, uh, but I need to go ahead and look that up myself so that I know for my own knowledge uh, what I'm responsible for. And then I just, I didn't just live in this ignorance of like, well, no one told me I was a mandated reporter. So I haven't been doing that. Yeah. yeah, hopefully, and hopefully yeah. you don't have to do that that often. I'm really going to wait for Josh to do it because we're from the same state, and then he's going to tell me. Yeah, yeah, not a that, yeah, that's not a good way to operate, Chris. Um, let's see, we got a. Do we have another email that we want to get to? Oh, sure. Let me uh, click around. You want to talk a e rate scenario? That's a wacky one. Sure. This is this is a little bit opinion. This man, I, what's this is legal stuff again. I don't know if I want to do this one or not. Let's do it. We can do it. Here we go. Just Here's read a, it and we'll see if we want to touch it or not. <laughs> the subject line is rabbit hole. That's uh -oh. gonna be great. Uh-oh. Uh, and then it says here's a scenario, maybe a conundrum. Ooh, I like the from word li from listener Andy. Um talking about e-rate. So if you are given a dedicated circuit uh you're using it uh for your students filtered firewalled internet for the student for education purposes um what do you do then with public wi-fi uh that is not so much intended for the student for education purposes so talking about your ball games uh i got a basketball game going on right now at my school we we have we have some guest wi-fi going on uh, that's not for educational purposes, or is it? Question mark. And that's that. That's the questions here. If you give free Wi-Fi, guess Wi-Fi. Um, are you abiding by E-rate rules? Do you think you're in that cool place still, as far as it being an E-rated circuit? <clears throat> um, does SIPA still apply to that stuff? Do you get a little more lax when it's evening time? Let some social media stuff. Uh, come online i've heard of schools doing that before once the evening hits well uh, where, where does your e-rate ethics and head go with those things I, I won't answer this specifically but i do have a scenario that we had about a year and a half ago um we contracted with a mental health provider agency to come in and one of the things part of the discovery process of them coming in and okay what do you need what are you going to bring in phones whatever 
um, it was internet was discussed, you know, cause they're going to take up a space in one of our buildings. Is there internet available? And, and I quickly shot off an email to, um, a state E-rate expert that I know and said, you know, laid the scenario out to him. And, and the response was pretty much, uh, you can't do that. They've got to provide their own internet. So that's, that's what we did. We, we told them you've got to drop your own circuit in. And they were, they were fine doing that because they had been in a couple other schools and every other school that they've been into in our area, every school has told them you have to drop in your own circuit for that. So they, they dropped in their own fiber and they have that way they can control their phones a little bit better, dedicate some bandwidth to their phones. They have their own filter set. They got a VPN back to their main office. Um, so the, the conversation was super clear with that type of scenario. Now they, you're not going to provide them service. Mm-hmm. Um, now the whole basketball thing, we, we don't offer really public Wi-Fi in the evening. So um, we don't, I haven't had to cross that bridge yet. Yeah. I, I, I am kind of the same line as Josh. One of the things I would, I would say first, obviously we're not lawyers, but E-Rate and USAC <laughs> has a really good dedicated call center and, you know, online reporting thing. So when you have a question like this, I'd recommend just popping it in there into their question bank or into their, their support portal and a document that you've asked the question that you've asked them for advice first, and then they'll come back to you hopefully with the advice that you need one way or the other. Um, Going back, we have, we have a lot of buildings and we have a lot of different service providers that are coming in and, uh, you know, same as Josh, when we have somebody who's coming in, they're providing a service either to our students or to the outside public that is going to benefit that organization financially. So say, for example, there's a doctor's office and they might be billing for insurance or whatnot. Even if it's in our school providing to our students, they're going to be benefiting from uh, any sort of insurance or payment. We're taking them off of our network and we're saying you're you need to put in your own service. Um, if we have a nonprofit that might be supporting our students, but they're also supporting the public, they're going to be on their own network as well. Basketball games, school events. It's a gray area. Um, you know, if it's one of I your swimming gray, <laughs> if it's, if it's one of your <laughs> basketball games, it's your school event. I, I don't think there's a problem with that, right? You're supporting the community's use of that school event or the internet on this during the school event. But again, just ask USAC, you know, sub- submit it as a question to their portal and, and see what they have to say. Yeah, I think I could throw down that a basketball game is education. We're teaching a lot of life skills and things on that court. Well, and it's a, it's a school sanctioned event. You know, it's not a, it's not a select yeah. basketball game coming in, you know, like it's, it's a school sanctioned event. Yeah. So yeah, that would be an interesting conversation. I could see it both ways, but I would almost lean more towards you still need to filter it, but it would be okay to offer that. But again, we're not lawyers. We're not E-rate experts. Um, I think Mark's suggestion is correct. Go ahead and contact E-rate. Um, if that makes you feel good. Or you can... I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> but what are they going to do? They're going to slap your hand? You could go to the E-rate jail. They, they make oh, yeah. you. They make you. They make you click OK to that message when you submit a four seventy one. You could spend your the rest of your life in jail if you lie. And well, I think that's where the the delineation comes from. Is this a free event and it's after yeah. school hours, or is this 
an entity that is making money that is profiting right. off of that intercept. That for me is there's a very, very big difference between those two things. And yeah. so if you have an outside provider coming in that is kind of supporting schools, but they, like I said, could be getting reimbursement, could get any funding, or they're providing service to the public. Uh-uh. That's for me, it's hands off. Yeah. No, I agree. So let's do this real quick. We'll take another break for some words about Extreme Networks, one of our sponsors right now. And then after our break with Extreme, we've got an interview with Megan. She is a ClassLink user, and she is going to tell us how she is using ClassLink and really how it's changed how her district operates from both a user management perspective, from a application delivery, which kind of surprised the heck out of me. I did not know ClassLink did this, but it's uh, kind of, they offer kind of like a, a VDI type environment, um, as well as that kind of portal for students to log into ClassLink and see all of the websites in one place. They do, I can't remember what she called it, some barcode sign-in stuff. Um, so yeah, Megan, the interview with Megan is really good if you are wanting to learn a little bit more about ClassLink. And Chris, uh, what'd you say? You, you That was uh, probably the most, not inspiring, but convincing talk yeah, we had. I learned more about ClassLink from Megan than I have about ClassLink from myself <laughs> talking about it on the pod. Okay. So uh, <laughs> we'll take a break real quick with Extreme, and then you'll come back and we'll be interviewing Megan. Extreme Networks is with us as we press on in 2023. 2022 was another banner year for Extreme with the Gartner Magic Quadrant. They are the leader for enterprise wired and wireless LAN infrastructure for the fifth year in a row. For all of your extreme networking needs, reach out to Dominic Mayer, that's D-Mayer, D-M-A-Y-E-R, at ExtremeNetworks.com. Okay, so now we are with Megan, and she is, we'll just say a longtime ClassLink user. And ClassLink, I guess, uh, they wanted us to hear from a real user about all the problems in the world that uh, ClassLink can solve. But first, before we get to that, Megan, uh introduce us to your district, you know, give us an idea how many students you have, what your tech department's like, um, and what kind of systems that ClassLink is able to to take over and manage for you to free up some time for you. Okay. Yeah, great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Um, I love listening to the podcast, so I'm glad. Is it your favorite today. podcast or like it, number two, number three? Where are we at? It, it so wasn't on I, her top 10 list for the 2022, I Chris. Am, I am not a podcast listener, but I will say if I listen to a podcast, it is this one. I have listened to more okay. episodes of this podcast than okay. I have any other podcast. <laughs> we'll take that. So, thank thank so you, yeah, Megan. Thank you. You're you're welcome. No, I do. I, I do love listening to the podcast and I have been uh, catching up here while we were on Christmas break kind of going back in time and listening to some episodes. Um, so yeah, I'm at a district that's about 2000, just shy of 2000 students. Um, and we really kind of brought in ClassLink as we were growing one-to-one. -one. We were not one-to-one -one prior to the pandemic. And so going one-to-one -one with Chromebooks, that presented a lot of challenges for our teachers and our students just in like how do I get them to these websites when they're kindergartners and they can't even spell their name and just how do I get kids signed on and all of these different little 
um, elements, as well as things we were struggling with on the back end from a tech side where um, we were struggling with just account creations. We historically hadn't created accounts for students very early on. And so we didn't have processes in place on like, when do they get an email? Who do we ask? How do we know they need an email? And so there was lots of little bits and ClassLink really kind of came in clutch for us in just going through and hitting a lot of the things we needed. Interesting. So I guess ClassLink interfaces with your student information system, right? To get that rostering information over or that's account yep. creation. Yep. Um, and we can, uh, we can set that up with either Active Directory or Google. So we okay. choose to do it through Active Directory. Um, and then it does the automatic account creation for us. Um, and it provides an SSO and it provides rostering. And I can just go on and on talking about how it makes my life easier because there were some applications that I was having to go into our SIS and like manually pull lists and manually roster students. ClassLink does that for me. It just you, pulls it. Do you do badges at the elementary level or what's how, how, how do they log do, into a Chromebook? We, we do quick cards, which are amazing. Um, teachers print off their own from their class list. It's literally so as a teacher, as a user, when I go into ClassLink, I come to the launch pad and that's kind of like home base for everything. There's individual apps that we as a district push out. And then there's applications that teachers can go and add for themselves. And then there's even applications where teachers can go and tuck it into the backpack for their students. So the students mm. just know to go to the backpack for Miss Susie's music class and the app they need for music classes right there. And so there's a lot of um, really nice ways to use that for teachers, but then they can print the quick cards and the kids just hold it up to the camera and it signs them right in. From a reporting standpoint, does, what does ClassLink have that lets you know that kids are using applications? Like, does it have a, does it have a. So they I'm have not, analytics. Okay. That are I was going to really say. Great that, yep. Yeah. As a, as an admin user, I can go in, but then there's also analytics at the teacher and the student level so that teachers can see where their students are going and spending their time. Um, but then I can go in and see, oh my gosh, we had nobody log in. Oh wait, that was a BD day. We didn't have students here or something like that. Um, but then uh, I can also put in like cost per application and cool. get usable data on like, okay, we have this really expensive app, but we are really, really using it. And so that tells me that we're getting a good cost per use. And so I can kind of dive into that data as well. Yeah. And that data is super important for central office. That's, that's one thing my central office has been paying attention to more is, you know, we programs like IXL or, you know, you name it, they're, they can be pricey, they're valuable applications, but, but, one of the things the follow up on that is okay a year down the road when that contract is up for renewal are we getting our return on on our on our investment out of that application um so it's it's good that that class link will give you those kind of aggregated reports to show you that usage information yeah no that is that is really nice and that's something like you said that we're really starting to dig into deeper with ESSER funds are disappearing and decisions that were made three years ago might not still be financially viable next year. And so we're kind of having to sort through, okay, we said yes to everything. Now, right. what are we really using? 
Well, and there's some some accountability that goes with ESSER funds too, right? Like you you got to be able to to show what you're spending that dollar on. So you know the to be able to show that these applications are getting used in a manner that to me that's super valuable that that aggregation of data. Right. Yep. Um, from a from a headache wise, what what does it or what has it, has it solved? We talked about account creation for email. Um, but what any other headaches that it solved for you guys on the admin side or tech side? Um, I think des- definitely the rostering, just because within my role on the instructional side, that like every time we got a new app, that came back to me to roster and to know who's getting what and what it is. Um, and so that has been the biggest one for me where there's one application and it literally took me days to roster it. And now it's a nightly sync with ClassLink and it just popped on in there and it is almost a hundred percent pain-free. That's awesome. Do you have like the upper kids, like the high school, middle school, do they use that launch pad or is that mostly elementary? So what we found is that our older kids who have been experiencing Chromebooks prior to us getting ClassLink don't use it as much, Uh but as we're moving kids up, we're continuing to see that greater use of the launch pad. Just, um, we also push it out. So it's right there. It's the home screen on their Chromebooks. Um, so it's easy to navigate back to. And I think a lot of our teachers have done a good job. My science teachers use McGraw Hill. That's where they have to go to get to it. And so some students are getting kind of, quote unquote, trained up to use it more. Um, And I think as we see our, you know, fourth, fifth graders start moving on up, we're going to see a greater use of that launch pad across all grade levels, just because that's what they're used to. Because I know it does some heavy stuff with like Google Drive, like as opposed to going straight to Google Drive, you can be in the launch pad and see your Google drive files, that kind of stuff. You can pull your files right up from there. Um, We don't have it set up for students, but we do have it set up for teachers. If they want to add in their own individual apps and links for things like um, maybe they're using Wakelet and that's not something that everybody uses, but they can kind of make that cut and paste icon. That'll be right there. So even things that aren't rostered, we can still push out that icon for our students and for our teachers. Um, And that's another thing that's really nice from a management level is that I can go in and I can dial down who sees that app. I could put it for the entire district. I could put it for just first grade. I can put it just for one single classroom. And so that's really nice when I'm assigning things like somebody at our tech school uses a very technical app. There's only 20 kids that need it those are the only 20 kids that see it. Now that's an interesting feature that I haven't heard from uh, other competitors. So that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, if you had to sales pitch class link in, in just a couple sentences, give us, give us your best uh, class link sales pitch to close this up. So I think some of my best sales pitches for ClassLink would be um, the level of support that you get from ClassLink from when we started onboarding and setting everything up to actually kind of soft launching it to full launching it, um, their technical assistance with like the account creation piece, 
we have had contact with those same two or three people for almost three years, which cool. I feel like is almost wow. unheard of yeah, with yeah. most tech companies you deal with. Um, they're literally an email away. I can email them and they're like, let me walk you through this or I already changed it. Their help desk support system is phenomenal. So from a technical side, I think that's my biggest one. Um, from an instructional side, I think the ease of use for teachers and students it looks like an application set up for an iPad or a phone that they're familiar with. Um, it's really intuitive. They have really nice like password lockers to store or change passwords. So I don't have to reset quite as many teacher passwords and it saves stuff for our students. Hmm. And I think, especially for our younger elementary and our special education students, being able to use those quick cards to sign in, do it quickly. That's a huge classroom management thing for all of my teachers. All right. Chris, any final questions for Megan? I don't think so. I mean, I, the launch pad looks sweet. It looks nice. I know it does crazy stuff too. You can have it tap into if you have windows applications, you can, so you can, you can get into that. So that was, I'm, I'm looking at my notes here because I asked Skip, what are his favorite, you know, sides from stuff from the more tech side. Um, and that was one of his things that we like is that we can push desktop apps out to our students who are using Chromebooks. So our students who need Microsoft Word or they need Adobe, we can what? push those things out to just that very, very small group of kids. And they can use it on their Chromebooks? And they can use it on their Chromebooks. Dang. When we hit stop recording, I want to ask you some questions. Because it does um, that. And you can also do like if, if you're still doing your typical Windows, H drive, home directory, whatever stuff, you can, can sync that. The, they can, can get to that, that as this. well. Yep. Pretty cool. Um, wow. I'm looking at my list. I think the only other thing from a security standpoint, um, because I have concerns if I'm having a teacher log in and then it has all of their passwords saved. They do have MFA that you can turn on in like a variety of formats for teachers, whether it's a picture icon or a code or a text message. Um, so they do have some good security steps in place to kind of protect all those passwords that they're holding. Hmm. Like clever, but better. Like clever, <laughs> but better. I don't, how about but actually, it, I think Josh, we're going to get clever. And it's great. Let's, okay, that's good. Go. <laughs> it's classic and it's great. Yep. <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming on, Megan. We appreciate your time. Thank you guys for having me. Hey, right. it's me, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, what are you drinking, Mark? <laughs> um, okay, that was a really good interview with Megan. We hope you got something out of that. Uh, like Chris said, it it uh, drove home some points that he didn't realize ClassLink could accomplish or ClassLink could help with. So uh, thank you, Megan, for spending that time with us. And uh, we appreciate your time. So we are on to our favorite Florida segment of the week. Yeah. Ooh, we should. We just need to call it the the Forta segment or the Forta question. The Forta question of the week. The Forta oh, question. that's it. Forta question. Forta question. That needs Chris, to be on their Twitter. I know their marketing person listens to this, Chris. But Chris, that's good, right? Yeah. Chris, we didn't mess that up, right? Forta question. 
Florida question of the week. Mark, do you love that? Yeah, it's 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 better than most of the jokes I make. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, here's the Florida question of the week. Brought to you by Fortinet, who has the Forda Extender. You guys know what the Forda Extender is? I do. Is that, new, is that a new car? Oh, my gosh. No, listen, Mark. There we go. We lost Fortinet. It's this It's this scalable, cost-effective, and resilient. You can do it in 5G, LTE, or Internet solutions. Basically, a secondary connection, uh, and they can hook you up with that, which brings the Forda question of the week to this. Uh, what kind of secondary connections do you guys have? Do you have secondary connections for like phone lines, for your internet pipe, uh, or what? What is an ideal situation for you to have uh, if if you if you don't want to explain what you currently have, kind of thing? So emergencies and whatnot. Yeah, we've got some pots lines still for phone for dial tone in an emergency. Um, we currently are looking into different options for a backup redundant that. Again, here comes the E-rate conversation. You cannot bill E-rate or ask for reimbursement from E-rate for a redundant connection. Um, so we're looking at options for that. You know, we've we've got a pretty big pipe right now that we don't completely use all of the time. So to have a, a second pipe of the similar size would be kind of wasteful. So we're looking at everything from uh, a high-speed coax line to uh, like entry level fiber just to see what the pricing is. We've also toyed, I actually know a district north of me, not too far, that is using, I believe, a T-Mobile hotspot um, as a as a backup connection. They were able to work out a deal with T-Mobile and it seemed super, super price attractive. Um, so, and, and again, I think that's where this four-day extender comes in. Uh, they can, you can slide in a, a, a SIM into the Forda extender. I got to be careful not to talk about Mark's car when I say Forda extender. Um, that So you can put that thing anywhere on your campus that's got a good cell signal and tunnel that baby back to your Fortinet FortiGate and you've got a secondary connection ready to roll. Um, or at least that's the way that, that the fantastic salesman Chris Illingworth from Fortinet explained it to me. Um, Chris, what are you doing? What are you doing for secondary? Uh, phone system wise, and I know that that's not necessarily what what we were unpacking fully here, but internet wise, I got nothing. I mean, we're just hosed, and I hope that that would be different one day. Uh, previous school district I was at, we had some conversations about even at bare minimum hotspot stuff. We talked about even if we could throw some small ones into like the main offices, uh, that hey, we can at least get the secretary computer run and the principal's computer run and that kind of thing. Uh, I I think I could lean towards that route as a cheap inexpensive solution uh we mostly are concerned for emergency purposes about our phones being up uh so we do have backup sip going on uh, that we can we basically have two phone systems that can that can go if we lose the main one we have a backup uh, that converts to a different carrier uh so we can we can get going with that and then we have this thing too with our current carrier uh basically if all that stuff uh hit the fan and life was terrible uh, we have a thing with our main phone line that I can call this number and it it makes that phone line, that phone number be redirected uh, to any other number we give it. Uh, so we could have our main school's phone number go to my cell phone if we wanted to kind of thing. Uh, so if if things are super terrible, uh, we could do that with our phones. But as far as internet connection, we don't do anything currently. I wish we did. Very similar. So we have um, uh, we're on VoIP and we have redundancy for nine one one. So when our uh, we have a 
fiber cut and a building's network goes down, we at least, uh, the schools can at least could dial 911 uh, from their phones. I will say you have to tell them when there's an emergency, if there's a, an internet outage, you have to like be very forward and say, don't forget, you can still dial 911 if there's an issue. Uh, but we have the redundancy on those those phones. We are seeing more and more uh, issues with fiber cuts. We're in an old antiquated city. And so even just today, we had uh, two schools go down because of some stray construction that cut a fiber line. So uh, we've really been wanting to explore some of those different uh, options for a cellular connection to a building. I don't know if these connections can handle, or I don't know what they can handle. I don't think they're designed to handle an entire school operations, but uh, I'm assuming with uh, when you have uh, a network that you can pop over to a cellular connection, you can at least keep your main office and your safety services options or uh, systems up and running. So exploring those. And then there's always the backbone as well. We have a little bit of redundancy and we do have multiple connections. Um, but yeah, Josh, you made a good point. E-rate does not cover redundancy. Um, and uh, that makes it very hard to afford redundancy on some of your backbone. All right. But any? I, Go ahead, I will Mark. be... For to exploring uh, those options, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Mark, no, Mark. Ow, I just poked myself in the eye. What? Ow. What um, are you doing, man? Oh, no, I just poked myself. Do you want uh, a Florida escape or something? Stop it. You're going you're gonna to get me started. Um, any any clothing, Mark? He's, he's on the Florida edge. <laughs> Uh, closing remarks, check out k12techpro.com. We have articles on there. Mark and I are going to hang out at the K126 <laughs> conference coming up in a couple of weeks in Austin, Texas. Uh, and then we're going to be at COSIN. Uh, that'll actually be me and Eric, maybe Josh, uh, next month, March, uh, back in Austin, Texas, COSIN with a booth. So check us out uh, hey, there as well. Hey, Chris, who who I know you said you're on the sponsor list for K126. Who who's one of the other big who's the other sponsor? I saw the sponsor list for K twelve six. There's 13, 13 sponsors. That's a pretty elite group, I would say. I would say. We're there and Microsoft. <laughs> Microsoft and K twelve Tech Talk are listed on the same advertising sheet as sponsors for K twelve six. How about we made that? it, boys? How about that? And and we have hacking groups. We have I, I don't shit. I don't know. <laughs> They're what not to a call hacking it. group. I, I know. They, I don't know what to call them. What do you call them? Developers. Impressive. Yes. Impressive. Impressive. Yes. Brilliant. Are... Impressive developers. Yes. Not hackers. Yes. They have a bright future. All right. That was episode one hundred and six. Share us with your friends. Uh, share us with your developer groups. You're a very impressive developer groups. Uh, shoot us an email, k12techtalk at gmail.com. That's how Shimmer got a hold of us, Mr. Peter. And what was the other developer's name? Uh, Raffle Sia. Uh, we're also on Twitter. Uh, we are also on Reddit. So uh, give us a give us an email. Give us a tweet. We'll see you next week. Oh, that rhymed. We are K12 Tech Talk, and so are you. Uh,